morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Dana Black, coming to you live. Yes, all the way live from Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. Well, it's been an interesting summer, uh, June for the Supreme Court. They have made some excellent rulings in that, no, the legislature does not have the final say on redistricting and that they, you still have to go through the court. So we were able to protect some voting rights. There were some things that they voted down that we didn't like, but I think the, the one, obviously, I want to hit on is the fact that the Supreme Court has basically said affirmative action is, a, is unconstitutional and has no value. <clears throat> CNN reports... The Supreme Court says colleges and universities can no longer take race into consideration as a specific basis for granting admissions, a landmark decision that overturns longstanding precedent that has benefited black and Latino students in higher education. Chief Justice Roberts wrote the opinion for the conservative majority, saying the Harvard and University of North Carolina admissions program violated the Equal Protection Clause because they failed to offer measurable objectives to justify the use of race. He said the programs involved racial stereotyping and had no specific endpoint. The majority opinion claims that the court was not expressly overturning prior cases authorizing race-based affirmative action and suggested that how race has affected an applicant's life can still be a part of their application is considered. But even if the court did not formally end race-based affirmative action in higher education, its analysis will make it practically impossible for colleges and universities to take race into account as the three Democratic appointees stressed in dissent. So, guys, I know there are a lot of y'all out there that say, well, you know, maybe this is a good thing. You know, everybody can just go on their merits and they're going to they can work really hard and their hard work will be all that will be determined on whether or not they can get into a university or college. But, guys, I hate to tell you something. That's not how it goes. So if you're talking about just the Ivies, right, just the Ivies, the first and foremost is legacy kids are getting in. So are those legacy kids, do they have the same standard of, of admissions? Are they the, the best and the brightest? Or is it that their parents graduated and so they get to go there? Or what about the parents who can donate enough money to have their name on a library? Their kid gets to go there. Are they, is that, is that being able to, is that treating students equally? I think not. And since we have a history of being intentional in denying black and brown people access to higher learning, I think we need to be just as intentional in granting them the access they need. But I, I hear y'all, I hear y'all, but what's going to happen is the rates of black and brown folks getting into school are going to drop, not because they're not capable of producing amazing work, because we already know that they are. That's not it. I would want to know, are the admission boards diverse? Or are the, all the admission boards a bunch of white folks as well? Do they have diversity? Because where you come from and your life experiences well, to help you determine whether or not an application deserves an opportunity or not, because you may think that everyone should have has had the same opportunities you've had. And we know that's not true. So I'm a little nervous about this. We see what's happening in California. We see that the rates of applications in most medical schools for uh, black and brown folks have dropped. So I'm a little nervous and I'm a little concerned, but we'll see. I'm I'm a, I'm a. I know what's going to happen, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, Justice Roberts, honestly, Chief Justice Roberts, he, I, I don't know if he has some kind of Pollyanna thing going on, but I do believe he thinks that racism in all its forms are gone. I mean, remember, in 2013, he wrote the majority opinion to gut the Voting Rights Act. And look what's happened in all these Republican-led states and how they are crafting new and inventive ways to, to deny access to the ballot. Now, I just wish they would put that much energy in devising ways 
to improve the lives of their citizens, but they put that energy into control and power by denying you your power at the ballot box. Same thing with Justice Roberts. He, I don't know, he just, he, he's been against affirmative action. He's been against civil rights amendment. He's been against the Voting Rights Act forever. Because in his mind, those things are things that happened in the past and they don't continue to happen. But if you look at the incarceration rates, don't tell me black folks commit more crime. Stop it. Stop it. People commit crime at the same rate in all races. It just depends on who gets arrested and who gets prosecuted and what the sentence is. So this is America. But the beautiful part is, y'all, even with this decision, we have an opportunity to make change. It's, it may be rough for a while, but if we show up and show out at the polls, we can mitigate some of this. Because think about it, if we had showed up and voted for Hillary, I know y'all didn't like her. I didn't care. She was better than the orange man. He, he's, he appointed three Supreme Court justices, and we've lost our courts for a generation. So we just have to start at the grassroots, start all over, don't sulk, and remember this is not a quick fix. There's no quick fixes in this political thing. It takes us a long time to move. So we need marathon runners, not just sprinters. All right. Back to the border, because, you know, I care about everything of these 92 counties. I wanted to the Indianapolis Star today printed or this week printed a list of bills that will be going into effect July 1st. And I thought it would be a good idea to kind of run these down because they're going to impact your life directly here in Indiana. So here we go. Insurers must pass along drug rebates. You have, if you have an individual health care plan, insurers must pass along at least 85% of the rebates they negotiate with drug manufacturers in exchange for covering their drug. For those who have a health plan through their employer, 100% of the rebates must be passed along. But the employer decides how to apply the savings. This is a good thing, y'all, because hopefully your employers are like, okay, we'll pass those savings on to everybody and they'll disperse those things out hopefully okay throwing stars are ill are illegal a new indiana law classifies throwing stars alongside knives and other sharp weapons they can be legally possessed but can't be carried on school property or a school bus you know my mother always told me not to throw anything in the house you might hit somebody in the eye that throwing star does not sound like a good idea Domestic violence suspects can't be released for 24 hours. Current law calls for an eight-hour cooling-off period after domestic violence arrest. Under the new law, it's increased to 24 hours. Crimes included are battery, domestic battery, strangulation, rape, sexual battery, invasion of privacy, criminal stalking, criminal recklessness, criminal confinement, burglary, and residential in entry. Okay, that's good. Give people a chance to kind of, you know, if it was a heat of the moment thing, you can give them a chance to calm down and reflect on their behavior. I kind of like that. I'm good with that. GPS tracking will be prohibited by protective order. A law introduced by the state Senate this year addressed criminal use of GPS tracking. A prohibition on tracking devices is now included in the list of conditions a court can impose with an order of protection. The law also addresses the use of tracking devices to stalk someone, increasing the charge from a level six to a level five felony if such device is used. Okay, all you stalkers, let it go. Colleges can't refuse to provide a transcript if you owe them money. This is actually a great thing. If a current or former student of a state or private educational institution owes a debt of $1,000 or less, the school can't re refuse to provide a transcript. Institutions are also not allowed to charge a higher fee for transcripts because of the debt. I like that. I like it. They'll pay it when they get to it. Uh, and it's not like they don't want to pay. I know I'm still paying on my student loans. I wish I didn't have them, but I pay them every month. Uh, well, at least I had been suspended since the COVID, but I'll be picking back up again.
automatic speed cameras coming to a hi to highway work sites. A new law allows NDOT to establish a worksite speed control pilot program in as many as four construction zones in Indiana when workers are present. Hoosiers caught speeding 11 miles per hour or more over the speed limit will receive a warning the first time. A second violation will cost them $75 and additional violations will cost them $150. Y'all, slow down in those construction zones, okay? Just slow down, be cool, you'll be through it in a minute. I know it seems like Indiana with their planning, they have construction zones that tie up the entire city for the entire summer, but we gotta get this infrastructure updated, so please, and we wanna make sure that we're protecting the people who are out there working. All right, police can enforce a 25-foot buffer around investigating officers starting July 1st. If police have ordered someone to stop approaching and the individually knowingly or intentionally comes within 25 feet of an emergency incident, the person can be charged with a Class C misdemeanor. The, now, listen, guys, uh, the technology is getting better. If you want to film a police officer making an arrest, stand back and get your Zoom on. Listen, we don't need y'all going to jail trying to catch these clowns doing whatever they doing, okay? So stand back, get your Zoom out, and make it happen. All right, food delivery apps need a restaurant's permission to include them to help give restaurant owners more control over their services and customer experience. A new law is meant to deter scrapping their information to include them on apps like Grubhub and DoorDash. Instead, these apps must get the restaurant's permission before listing them on the app. A uh, that's okay. All right. Uh, I mean, that way the restaurant knows, you know, it's good to go and they can use them and they can alter the, the menus for delivery items versus in-store items. I kind of like it. A voter or family member must request an absentee ballot application. The vote by mail and absentee ballot voters must be eligible through an excuse requirement. After July 1st, applications will no longer be sent out without a request from a voter or family member. Employees at nursing homes or assisted living facilities can no longer send the request. Guys, I'm I'm a little I'm a little worried about this one because we have a lot of folks who are in assisted living who don't get out. They may not have access to the internet or may not even know how to use the internet. Now we can't even help these folks cast their vote, their constitutional right to vote. I'm a little squirrely about that one. In fact, I'm a little disturbed. A lot of our seniors are gonna miss the opportunity to cast their vote. Thank you, Republicans, for being such awesome humans. Not. Only dogs and miniature ponies can be service animals. A new law cracks down on the type of animals that can be designated as service animals. It also sets requirements for when service animals are allowed to, in public spaces. Previously, the law did not define the type of animal that could be a service animal. Sorry, your service cat will no longer work. Sorry, y'all. The law reads that a public, a public accommodation shall make reasonable modification in policies, practices, and procedures to pre prevent the use of miniature horses by an individual with a disability. <laughs> okay, the miniature horse. If that's what you're using, now you can, they have to make accommodations. And I'm going to leave the, uh, there's a whole bunch more, but I'm going to read a few more. Pharmacists can write prescriptions for birth control, adults seeking birth control in the form of, a, of pills, patches, or rings can get a prescription written and filled by a pharmacist after a full health screening. The law will help those who can't get a prompt appointment with the physician, work difficult hours, or can't get into the doctor's office, receive short-term contraceptive. I love it, I love it, I love it. Prisoners can't get gender-affirming care, surgery, the Department of Corrections don't currently provide gender-affirming surgery with the exception of federal case. Still, legislators move forward with a new law to prevent imprisoned people from using state tax dollars for the procedures. So there you have it. There's quite a few more on there. If you guys want to visit the IndyStar website or go on the IGA.gov website to see what bills will be taking effect July 1st, I think it's important you should know because you could be caught slipping. That's all I'm saying. I, I really want to make sure y'all understand about that 11 miles per hour in a, in, a, in a construction zone because that could be your life. All right, you know, I'm always excited about my, my sponsors. And of, kids, of course, we have Bohm's Unique Boutique. Today's show is brought to you by Bohm's Unique Boutique. 
click on the QR code. And for all Turn Left listeners, you can get a 10% discount on your order by using the code DEMOCRAT. Be sure to visit www.bohmsuniqueboutique.com. I just love, love, love Bohm's Unique Boutique. So, you guys, if you get an opportunity, go check their website out. Maybe you want to get some, you know, custom-made items. They make some really cool mugs. Look them up. They do all the work there. They're great people, and they're just awesome Democrats. All right? Now, of course, I'm here to always help Democrats. Black Pearl Studios, Black Pearl IT Solutions, we're here to help you with your digital content. You guys know where to find me. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I have everything you need to shoot your 30, 60, 90 second video for social media that you can get that information out. And if you, you know, if the, if the audio is fantastic, we do a great job, which I'm certain we will. You'll be able to use that wherever you would like. So guys, hit me up and my, my rates are reasonable. So let's talk about it. Scan the QR code and let's talk about how we can get you out there on the interwebs. All right. Y'all, I'm so excited at how many women every year are stepping up to run for office. And it's not, I don't care what office you run for. I, I believe that we have influence everywhere. But when we run for executive offices, whew, I get a little extra excited. I know as women, we are decision makers. I know as women, we have the opportunity to influence our community and change lives. So the fact that we have an, a candidate, another candidate on today that is running for her, the mayor of her city, I am super duper excited. Y'all, welcome to the show. Coming all the way from West Lafayette, running for to be the mayor of West Lafayette, Aaron Easter. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dana. I'm so happy to be here tonight. So I got to ask this first question. What does it mean? What would it mean to you to be a woman running the city of West Lafayette as mayor? Uh, well, fortunately, I will not be the first and only woman. Uh, we have a history of strong female leadership within the city of West Lafayette. Um, Booth, our uh, longest running, uh, longest serving mayor uh, was Mayor Sonia Marjoram. <clears throat> she served the city for 24 years. Um, and I think 2004 was her final year uh, in office. So I was going back quite a while for those 24 years previous. Uh, and then uh, we had Jan Mills uh, right after that as well. So we have had uh, a strong history of democratic female leadership within the city, which is great. Uh, but I think it's also important that, you know, you're a role model for other people who are looking up to you, uh, that you are collaborative in your decision making, uh, and that you are sensitive to the issues that are really difficult within communities. And I think um, not exclusively, but I, I think women really lead well in those places. I 100% agree. And I will be glad when Indianapolis follows West Lafayette and we get someone other than my typical white men, especially with got a lot of great women in Indy. We really do. And we, and we have a, you know, I mean, we got a black population of 30%. I mean, my goodness, there's and women out uh, outnumber men. So ladies in Indy, don't give up. We're going to run. We're going to be like West Lafayette. All right, Aaron, tell the people who you are and where you come from. Sure. Uh, so I have uh, lived in greater Lafayette since 1997, uh, when I moved here with my family. Uh, we had lived all over uh, the U.S. previous to that. I was born in Santa Barbara, California, uh, lived in Denver, some of the western states uh, for a little while, uh, grew up in Florida. So I got to watch uh, watch out for stingrays and, and dolphins when I was a kid. Uh, and then I moved to Indiana uh, in, in 1995. My mother is originally from Indiana okay. and she missed the seasons and the snow and she wanted to come home. So that is what brought me to Indiana. Uh, what kept me here is a different story. Okay. Uh, so I went to Purdue University, um, boiler up, uh, ha happy to have, have to have gone to the university, uh, but when I graduated, I wasn't uh, quite sure what I wanted to do in life. So uh, I was hanging out, trying to figure out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do when I grew up. Uh, and it was in 2008 that Barack Obama was running for president of the United States. And so I signed up to be a six-month unpaid intern in a battleground state. Uh, so I spent uh, those first six weeks uh, setting up campaign offices around Ohio and really setting the stage for uh, that next phase of 
campaigning in local communities uh, for the Obama campaign. And they were in every county and nearly every state right. uh, in the United States. They had a really, really intensive ground game structure. Right. Uh, and on week two, uh, the man who became my boss said, hey, what are you doing from now until November? I'd like you to stick around. Wow. And so I became a paid staffer. And I worked in New Philadelphia, Ohio, which is in Tuscarawas County, uh, just about 30 minutes south of Canton. Okay. Uh, and I ran a campaign office there uh, along with my colleagues in our 10 county region. Uh, and all, every state has, you know, glowing, glittery parts, and every state has parts that are maybe struggling a little mm -hmm. bit more and mm -hmm. maybe a little rusty as you're approaching the Rust Belt. Uh, but what I learned was, just how incredibly fortunate uh, we were in the community that I came from. And I saw elected officials in Greater Lafayette who worked together. Mm -hmm. I saw community members who cared about issues and they mm -hmm. were willing to put their time, their talent, their energy into solving those problems. And I saw a community that regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of who you are, what you believe, if you were working on the same side of an issue with somebody, you were an ally okay and they would make space for you there uh and so it it was a community where there was just an incredible amount of opportunity to get involved and change the community that you were working in uh so i was i still applied for jobs in dc let's be honest I was right right I, 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 was. Who, I mean every i think everyone has those of us that are junkies like political junkies we we think about those jobs but i always tell people indiana zone doesn't travel very well so i'll just stay here <laughs> yeah so so i was applying uh for those jobs and a, a position became available uh here okay. and i spent nine years with that organization before coming to the city and i got the opportunity to work on um, political issues, both at the local level, the state level, and the federal level that impacted our community um, and coordinated delegations of, of local citizens to, to go um, advocate on behalf of those issues. Um, I had the opportunity to work with our small business community, which is thriving and wonderful um, and always needs the support and attention of the community. Um, and so that that was very rewarding. Mm -hmm. uh, but the the other part uh, that I got to work on, which was a really incredible um, in shaping how I think about communities and how we move forward with those communities. <clears throat> and this approaches all manner of development related things, which is what I do currently. Uh, quality of life matters mm -hmm. and it matters a lot. And mm -hmm. we went through a very intensive uh, community analysis to look at who we are as Greater Lafayette, um, what we want to be as Greater Lafayette, mm -hmm. and what barriers we have. And Ooh. so there are certain things at the time I was, um, let's see, I was probably in my early, I don't know, late 20s. Um, and as someone who was young in their late 20s, um, maybe even mid 20s at the time, I knew what some of the issues were because I was a young person who hadn't been here my whole life and who made a conscious decision to be here, but recognized some of the things that that we were lacking in terms of amenities, um, in terms of recreation and participation within the local community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was uh, a, an amazing opportunity that I had to to work with that plan and mm -hmm. with a, a committee um, is more like a commission, I guess, uh, to implement that plan and make meaningful change in a lot of different categories. Um, and we didn't have to be the ones doing the work, but we had to advocate for that work mm -hmm. to happen within all of our communities. So things like uh, continuing the mission of protecting the Wabash River um, and its health and wellness and providing recreation opportunities for it and to see it as an amenity that connects our communities instead mm -hmm. of something that fights it. Right. And so working through our Wabash River Enhancement Corporation in the work that they do there um, that specifically, you know, turns toward the river and makes sure that, that we're, we're protecting our watershed right. Right. from an environmental perspective, but also using it as a, a recreational element within our community. And then that's really attractive to a lot of people, uh, especially young people who are looking 
for where their next place to live is. Right, right. But was there, was there, I mean, you, you said it was like you were on a board of commission. How, how did you learn about or become familiar with um, being on the board? Was it was it your work with your the, the, the nonprofit or the, the other organization you work with? Is, is that how you found out about it? Well, I was actually staff, so okay. I oversaw the entire program and the planning. Uh, and I we had a, I was probably a 25 person uh, board that implemented all of the work, that did the planning, mm -hmm. uh, identified projects that were really important, um, and also helped find funding and public support. So was there, was there something in your education or in your upbringing that um, brought you to public service or that made you want to be in public service? Because it sounds like even after you, even though you may not have been sure, like most 23, 22 year olds are not sure what they <laughs> want to do with their lives, right? You still went in the direction of, oh, let me do this campaign. Let me, and then just, was there something in your upbringing that made you be civically minded like that? Um. I think, well, uh, certainly my mother, I mean, she's a, a civically minded person. Um, she's a person who um, is passionate about the role that government plays in people's lives and being supportive of people um, and, and finding ways that local government or any government for that matter supports people in their ability to become the best of themselves um, and doesn't put up barriers or mm -hmm. restrictions to being act, active, full, participating members of society. And that obviously happens in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You mentioned one of those things um, uh, in the intro uh, for news today. Uh, but she was absolutely uh, one of those people who always encouraged me to go vote, even in midterms and in, in the primary when I um, maybe didn't understand it as well as I should have. Uh, and she brought me along with her to vote uh, mm. when I was young. So, you know, I got an experience of going to the polls and actively engaging. Um, I was, you know, I knew where to find things. I knew how to mm -hmm. read a bill and mm -hmm. understand um what that legislation really meant. Uh, that being said, being in local government is just a completely different world. Um, and one that I think is uh, kind of hard to understand until you're in it. Absolutely. It's, it's a different world. I love it, but man, uh, it was a learning curve for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, and, and you're, you're not saying anything I haven't already heard um, because you know, all politics is local and you know, your municipal government is, is directly impacting your day today. Um, guys, listen, if we're talking to Aaron Easter. This is Indiana's own Dana Black on Turn Left. If you guys are liking what she's talking about, please click on her donate link um, so you can donate to her campaign because every campaign requires some change, y'all. Some change. Five, ten dollars, every dollar will help. And running a mayoral campaign is not cheap. So I challenge everyone to please click on the donate link and donate whatever you can. So let's let's talk about this real quick. What you you had all this inner all this time um, working on these boards and commissions and seeing you know what could happen and what couldn't happen. What was the catalyst? What was the thing of all the different things that you said? You know what? I'm 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 running for mayor. I'm doing this. Enough. Sure. Um, through the work for the the Greater Lafayette Commerce was the organization I worked for for nine years previous to coming to the city. And organizations like that are excellent at introducing you to the entire community. Uh, and I had the opportunity to meet a lot of people, a lot of really incredible public servants, a lot of great business people, uh, and a lot of people that even though our politics didn't align, we were absolutely committed as a community. And you'll find this everywhere in Tippecanoe County, regardless of the politics, everyone is committed to being mm -hmm. civil. Mm -hmm. uh, and we know that we absolutely cannot succeed without each other. Mm -hmm. uh, we can fight all we want, but that's never going to get us what we want. Right. So, and that, that's a standout feature of, of where we are without question. Uh, so I had the opportunity to meet a lot of people that I wouldn't have had the chance to otherwise, um, who play really important roles in our community, especially in West Lafayette. Um, and I, uh, actually, at the request of our current mayor, John Dennis, who, um, for those of you who don't know him, he and I are on opposite sides of, of the aisle, as it as it were. Um, 
and unbeknownst to me, probably for a little while, John uh, was really taking note and making sure that he was preparing me for potential run if I decided mm. to do something I wanted to do. Wow. Wow. Yes. <laughs> we take this, uh, we take, we take the best candidate uh, policy very seriously here in Tippecanoe County. Love um, it. Yeah. So not only is John's support incredibly meaningful uh, from a political perspective, personally, it's very meaningful. Uh, he is one of the most uh, thoughtful and respectful people I've ever known. He cares about people and their rights and their ability to live full, healthy lives. Uh, and he is one of those humans that you might, if you just had a funny interaction with him, you might go, oh, wait, he's the mayor? <laughs> because right. he is so committed to just being genuinely himself. And um, you know what, if, before you go further, before you go a little further, I want to tell you, you know, I'm I'm feeling what you're saying right now about the, you know, we may differ um, ideologically or politically, but I was just at the ILM, the Indiana League of Municipal Clerk Treasurers Conference, and when you talk to the clerks, because the most in most cases those clerks are running right alongside the mayors, and it's a, a citywide race, but when you talk to these clerks, it's all about it's not about party. It's about how do you serve the community, and so I, I'm I'm loving the fact that you're t you're telling me a whole no another story, after spending a week talking to all these clerks, and a mayor saw your potential and saw how great you would be for the city, and looked past the political aisle and said, you know, let me let me help her. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's pretty dope. Uh, you know, good people are good people, right? Uh, that that is something that we could all fare a little bit better with, with recognizing that as we get into these political debates and spectrums, and particularly for Democrats who, you know, are not majority seat holders in a mm -hmm. lot of places, uh, that if somebody has good policy directives, if they're doing things for the right reason, and they are committed to serving the public, they should, they should have your consideration. And even if you decide not to support them and go that way, that's fine. But, uh, but, Without question, there are a lot of really incredible leaders out there mm -hmm. um, in the state, and they are doing this for the right reason, uh, even though it is difficult um, and it is not for the faint of heart. No. Uh, they're committed to being there to serve their constituents, and, and that's an, a meaningful thing. I love it. I just I think that's fantastic. That's a, that's a great story. And thank you for sharing that. Um, and I love that you were, you know, Everyone knows I'm partisan. Like everybody knows, like <laughs> I'm so dagburn partisan. But every time I hang out with the clerks, I'm like, but I love them. <laughs> I, I know they're Republicans, but I love them, and, it, and it's hard. It's hard. But you know, yep. let's 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 dive into some 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 policy issues now. You know, uh, Tippecanoe County and and West Lafayette. I mean, it's a university town. It obviously has a sustainable source of revenue with the university being there. But let's talk about what West Lafayette needs. Now, you've made the decision to go ahead and run. So what are you going to be fighting for once you are elected? What are the issues you're going to tackle? Sure. Uh, before we leave this, since you mentioned city clerks, shout out to Santa Booker, our West Lafayette city clerk, who another person who is just absolutely committed to representing her community and her constituents well. Uh, and she was gone this week because she was at the clerks conference so, so she was hanging out, out with me Santa. ask yeah, her she, ask her did she go incredible. to the karaoke party this all you gotta do just ask <laughs> her did she go to the karaoke party i'm not telling y'all if y'all wasn't there y'all didn't get to see it but go ahead i don't know if she's gonna answer that one <laughs> i will uh so what am i interested in uh so the city of west lafayette has been um just in this incredible growth phase at the moment and that is wonderful, right? That That is a, a really incredible thing um, to be in, especially given um, what a, a quaint community we have been for such a long time and that uh, most of our economic growth happens in our sister city across the river in, in Lafayette. So when Mayor Dennis took office nearly 16 years ago, uh, there were a few things that were a focus for him. And part of that was... Um, redeveloping the major thoroughfare through uh, West Lafayette, which at the time was State Road 26. It's now called State Street. Uh, and we partnered with Purdue University uh, in a relatively complex but brilliant solution uh, for both parties to partner to redevelop that street. 
since that time, we have realized billions of dollars of new capital investment. Uh, and we are seeing the growth of the university. We're okay. seeing the growth of our population. And we're seeing the growth in companies who would like to work adjacent to Purdue University. Okay. So when it comes to economic development, that is without question a, a, a policy-based thing that can divide people. Um, I am extraordinarily proud to say that the companies that we've attracted to our community are high paying, really good jobs. Um, you know, it's we're well above the kind of the state and national average mm -hmm. in compensation for people, which is important uh, and certainly important if if you are under consideration on any level for public support uh, of that organization and of the training and recruitment of those people to come to our community. Uh, so with all of that successful growth, um, our neighborhoods uh, and housing uh, becoming an issue, uh, that's uh, we have been aggressive about building new student purpose-built student housing. So we have quite a few beds within the, the university network, about 15,000 uh, uh, for Purdue University, but we are at 51,000 students, um, which is a lot of students. Yeah, <laughs> I, re I remember a couple of years ago, there was a housing crisis with the Purdue students. They didn't have a place to lay their heads. Well, they all found a place, but that's a bit of a, that was a bit of a stressful situation I'm sure for everyone involved. <laughs> and we want to make sure that, uh, Anyone who comes to our community, whether it's for the university, whether it's for business, whether it's visiting uh, for a Purdue game, any game, any kind of game match, any any sports you're into, we want to make sure you have a great experience here. Uh, so we have been focused for the moment on building uh, new purpose-built student housing, which has uh, garnered a lot of growth within our community and is spurring things like new parks. Mm -hmm. um, more comprehensive trail systems. Uh, so as we become a more densely populated city, we have those green space outlets that we need mm -hmm. uh, and the recreational spaces that you really, really need when you have um, a lot of people packed into a really small space mm -hmm. uh, that is mostly pedestrian, though not exclusively uh, in our downtown area. We have a lot, of, a lot of students who are walking to and from class every day. So managing that growth, um, protecting our neighborhoods and making sure that uh, people who would like to live in West Lafayette can find uh, a home in West Lafayette. That has been a bit of a, a housing crunch. Mm -hmm. So that's that's an issue. And as we continue to face those issues, we need to make sure that we have housing available for all. Well, you know, unfortunately, the housing crisis, every person I've talked to this year um, who are running in municipal races have all mentioned the lack of housing, a lack of affordable housing. It does not. It is up and down the state. It is. Up mm -hmm. and down, it, it, I mean, everywhere. So it sounds like, you know, we have growth in some places and, and we're not doing so well in other places. And unfortunately, we don't have enough representation in the state. State House to maybe, you know, funnel some of those dollars down to help these these municipalities with some of this housing crunch, because everyone is talking about it. Everyone. We uh, so through the IEDC, the Ready Grant program uh, that came through a year or two ago, and I can't remember when those came through the state. Um, I would assume many communities, but certainly our region and our communities put a focus on housing. So uh, that helps uh, matching dollars to pay for infrastructure needed mm -hmm. for new uh, new neighborhood growth and development. Uh, in the city of West Lafayette, we have a, not not a substantial amount of undeveloped land. Okay. Uh, so when we look at housing, um, we probably see it in a little bit more of an urban context mm. uh, than you might. And and that's within the city limits because um, those are limited at the moment and uh, there's not a, a lot of space within them right, still. Right. Um, but we have an incredible opportunity with our downtown master plan and some of our uh, areas adjacent to campus that are ripe for redevelopment um, to, to have the opportunity to really uh, to focus on that and look for different housing typologies. Um, so while we have lots of student housing and we will continue to have lots of student housing, we're focusing a bit more on uh, some of the opportunities with market rate apartments, um, mm. opportunities with building townhomes or condos mm -hmm. uh, that we can build this new downtown urban core mm -hmm. uh, and offer a lot of different types of houses for a lot of people um, to be able to 
to find a, a great place to live. So whether you are looking for a condo and you want to have your kids in the school systems in West Lafayette, or if you are um, if you are tired of taking care of that lawn, you baby, can... whoo, that's, a, that's why I'm in a condo today. I'm like, look. <laughs> to a, a beautiful spot by the river uh, where you have walkable amenities. So that's something that we are really excited about and really focused on um, what the future of that that area looks like. So I love it. Um, so yeah, we it's talked, gonna be great. We talked about economic growth and development and we've talked about housing. What other issues you wanna hit on? Yeah, kind of a the other side of growth is preserving how we feel as a community, right? Mm -hmm. um, we it's a it's a relatively small community. Um, our census numbers would put us at forty five thousand. Uh, with our Purdue students, we know it's significantly more than that. Um, but making sure that our neighborhoods feel like neighborhoods, we still have neighborhood parks, that we have um, a community that looks after each other and takes care of each other, uh, which I think West Lafayette does quite well. Um, they are very active and engaged. Uh, community. So from an education perspective, um, we have kind of a, a lifelong learning network. Mm -hmm. um, so continuing to foster that, I think, is very important to connecting people and connecting people to their community and people feeling like they're engaged and they mm -hmm. know their neighbors. Yeah. They know people in their neighborhood. Um, and then on the other other side of that scale of education is early childhood education. Ooh, I love it. We are, um, as a community, and not just in West Lafayette, but Tippecanoe County, our region as a whole, we are committed to finding innovative solutions to early childhood education that is affordable and high quality. Uh, so what does that look like? If you can uh, go to your local burger joint and make just as much money there for a job that you can easily clock in and clock out, and you don't have to worry about... Um, some of the things that go along with taking care of someone's child mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you can make the same amount of money um, that that seems a little skewed. And so we have to fi find innovative ways. Um, certainly us as a region, we're working on it. Um, but I think for the, the wellness and betterment of the entire state, uh, people who are taking care of our children should be well compensated, Agreed. fairly compensated. Uh, it is a difficult job. Um, I am a parent, so I know uh, it's a difficult job and we will not find ourselves with the workforce that we need without finding pathways for parents mm -hmm. to to get out and work. Absolutely. Especially since, I mean, again, I, I can't help myself, so you'll have to forgive me, especially since we're making it difficult for women to uh, uh, handle their own reproductive health care. Um, we we, once they have, we, once the babies are here, we got to find a way to, so they can continue with their lives and, and, and their children be well taken care of. I love that you have uh, put an emphasis on that. Something that I am kind of interested in, West Lafayette and Lafayette are probably our only Twin Cities, right? We're the, the, the those are the only cities I think where there's a, um, a, you know, a relationship that's pretty strong, right? What is it like, um, and or uh, what 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 has it been like for you to work with your sister city? And then what are some other things that you plan to do in the future with your sister city? Great question. Um, so our 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 really strong relationship goes back many, you know, administrations and mayors. I, I mentioned Sonia Marjoram uh, and uh, her her mayoral colleague across the river, river Jim Reilly, they both served for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And they then started partnering and working together. Now, Lafayette was much larger um, and still still maintains its, its status as the larger of the two cities. Mm -hmm. um, but that that partnership and collaboration started then uh, where I think it really accelerated was with the election of Mayor Rosworski in Lafayette and Mayor Dennis in West Lafayette. Okay. Uh, for, for those of you who have not heard their story, uh, they grew up together in the squad car. They were both police officers mm. uh, serving the city of Lafayette um, for 
many years. Uh, Mayor Dennis, I think, uh, retired from the police force after 23 years and as the deputy chief of police. Uh, and I believe Mayor Rozworski was just four years before that. Uh, he retired as a captain uh, when he was elected to to office. Okay. So uh, they they grew up together. They love each other like brothers. And so we have been really careful that when we move forward, we keep our colleagues updated on what we're doing. Um, we don't want anybody to be surprised. Um, that's never what you want to do for, for your supporters and your friends. Uh, so I, that, that relationship has always been important. Um, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, at the moment we have two people who've been able to just call each other any mm -hmm. point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, Mayor Rozworski has been um, very gracious in in providing his advice and his expertise and his support uh, for me as well. So I know that we will be able to continue a strong relationship, relationship, excuse me, and be able to partner on things that are really important uh, okay. to both of our both of our cities. Um, I have a colleague. Um, we jokingly call each other the so and so of our opposite city, mm -hmm. uh, but a colleague who also works in economic development for the city of Lafayette. Uh, and we have conversations all of the time about what policies we think would be beneficial for both of our communities. What could we implement that would, you know, raise the quality and standard of living in greater Lafayette, regardless of what, what city you live in. Uh, and I, absolutely believe that between the two cities in Tippecanoe County, we will continue um, that track record and, and really thoughtfully consider things that we think uh, will improve the quality of life within our community. I love it. It sounds like y'all got a love fest going on over there in Tippecanoe County. I need to, I need, I need to get up there a little <laughs> bit more because I mean, and the reason why I was curious is because like here in Indianapolis, we don't have any sister cities. Ain't nobody across White River. We we sprawl White River. We do have some, you know, towns within our Marion County, but they literally are nestled within uh, the city. And then, you know, Hamilton County don't want to get down with us. So, you know, <laughs> ain't nothing happening. You know, I just, I just thought it was an, an interesting thing because when you said sister cities, I thought about the Twin Cities in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And I was like, oh, I wonder if it's very much, you know, similar, obviously on a smaller scale, because I think collective the two, the two, the twin cities are around. Collectively, are around six hundred thousand um, total. But I, that's 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 interesting because you know, again, it's, and and it's a way for you guys to maybe say, hey, uh, we need more housing. How do you you know help us out with some of that? And you know, they may need something from the university, and there's a way to 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 pair and and share the workload. I guess is what I'm trying to say. That that's pretty dope. So Absolutely. I mean. We, we we are small enough. I mean, our community is 200,000 people. We, our next largest city is, you know, a bit of a drive, yeah. not a terrible drive, but it's not immediately close. You still have to drive a little bit. Yeah. So we're not naturally going to just grow into them and be able to partner and take over, yeah. right? Uh, so we have to work together to solve the problems that we have. We're, I think our community is a little scrappy in that way that we, we aren't waiting for anybody to save us. We're going to build the raft ourselves. I love it. I love it. So what? And are, you can't oh, do that without your partners. Yeah, oh, no, right, right, right. So what other? Um, I, I mean, you talk you talk a lot about economic development and some of the economics of running a city, but every city has other things that obviously are 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 big. Um, law enforcement, criminal justice reform, those are huge. Um, I know that West Lafayette, or Purdue had an incident a couple of years ago where a police officer or, or a campus police officer. Um, mm -hmm made a, a, a quick decision and I'm not going to pass judgment on that decision. I'll let the courts do that. But talk about the, the, uh, the feeling in your community about your law enforcement and talk about how the students feel um, when they're coming in contact, because you'll be the person that's going to be budgeting these folks. Make, make, and, and if something goes awry, they're going to be looking at uh, Miss Mayor Easter. So talk about your relationship with law enforcement there uh, and some of the things that you see, some things you like, some things you don't like. Sure. Uh, so I I currently work for the city of West Lafayette. So um, not only are these people, uh, are, are public safety representatives, people that I work with every day, but they're also members of my community. Mm -hmm. um, I see them at our kids' baseball games. Um, I run into them at the ice cream shop. Yeah. Um, 
one of our ice cream shops is actually owned by a couple, a married couple. One is a firefighter and one is a police officer and wow. they both serve on the force. Um, I have been incredibly impressed with my colleagues. Um, and so I, let me set this up a little bit. I should have mentioned this first. Um, in West Lafayette, we have two police departments and two fire departments. Uh, the university has their own. Mm -hmm. uh, we have our ours through the city proper. Okay. And we have had to uh, plan and be very cognizant about how we respond. Mm -hmm. So let's say there's a, a fire on campus and their their fire truck is already responding somewhere. We will we will respond. Mm -hmm. So we have this, you know, uh, staged effect that everybody's working together to make sure everybody's covered, right? So mm -hmm. if uh if one of us can't respond, the other is there as backup to make sure that you know a, a crisis situation is dealt with that a house fire doesn't get any worse or is is put out completely hopefully um i have been very proud of the work that our police department has done um our our current chief um is very in tune mm. with what is happening uh in in police forces across the united states and he's been wonderful at elevating people of color, mm -hmm. elevating women, mm -hmm. making sure that the force can be as representative of the community as possible. Love um, it. Granted, we can't, you know, uh, you have to, you have to want to be a police officer. Yeah, when you're hello. A um, <laughs> but they have taken training and de-escalation very, very seriously. Uh, we had a, a case, uh, a few months ago, uh, where there was a, a gentleman who was in a into men, mental health crisis. I mean, he was he was really struggling, and he was armed um, and was uh, showing officers his weapon and mm -hmm. and putting himself in a situation mm -hmm. where he could have done harm to mm -hmm. himself, mm -hmm. not just because of the, wef, the weapon, but also the weather mm -hmm. and where he was, mm -hmm. um, and. Our officers have been trained very well, and they know how to de-escalate a situation. Excellent. They know how to make someone feel safe, uh, and they know how to get them the help that they need. Uh, a couple of years ago, we hired um, uh, a woman who serves all of our police department. Uh, as a, She's a social worker by training, um, so we have someone on staff Dope. that in an instance where it's not a you know, it's not a crime and maybe it's a mental health issue or it's just somebody that needs help. We're not sending someone with a, a badge and a gun. We're sending someone who can, uh, with kind of the same same skills and abilities, find them the care that they need. Um, and that that's a great way to compassionately serve your people uh, without bringing the full force of the law. Thank you. 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 Because that's all, even though the, the, the marketing for the slogan was kind of bad, that's exactly what defunding the police was all about. Right. I mean, and I know that you're, you're not doing that, but instead of that, instead of that, that salary going to another armed officer, you guys were intentional in making sure that you had somebody that can deal with the mental side of things that wasn't necessarily going to be ready to go. And, and that's exactly what the movement was about, but because it got all mucked up with the messaging, right? The messaging got mucked up. That's what they were talking about. It, we want we don't want to put our police officers in positions where they have to answer for things that they are not trained to answer for. We want them to be, their training teaches them to do a, a, one thing. A social worker is trained to do something else. And so I'm super excited. I didn't even know you guys did that. Kudos to West Lafayette. Kudos to all of your colleagues for uh, emphasizing the importance of, OK, wait. Let's send somebody else or even go with the police officer. Let let let's assess it together. Thank you mm -hmm. for that. That is like the best. Right. So not every crisis uh, requires the same response. And I and I think it's very wise of, of the leadership in our police department to recognize that and to to be able to provide the community what they need when they need it and also to really show up as um, a resource within our community uh, and not not just the guys that are waiting for you to speed by them. I love so. it. So another thing that you're gonna have to do um, is negotiate with the council. Um, you, can, you can suggest a budget, 
but you still got to get it approved. Talk about what your leadership style is like and how you plan to work with. Um, you guys have a nine member council. That's not, that means that's nine different personalities, nine different yeah. agendas. How do yeah. you, how does your your leadership style fit with negotiating um, with what maybe the council wants versus what the the mayor's office might want? Sure. So we will have um, we will have some returning members to our council. Um, we will have um, in a in a handful of seats some some new members um, and particularly younger ones. Um, when we annexed Purdue University, we created and still maintain after um, uh, you know a few at least one uh, census uh, maintain a student district which is really important to us that okay. we have student representation at the local government level. Uh, so between that and some of our neighborhoods that are uh, more heavily populated with students, um, one, what an incredible way to, to engage young people in government and show them the positive impact that they can make. Uh, but two, what a great thing for our community to also hear the concerns of students. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that's a that benefit is a is a two way street. So outside of that, um, there are a lot of things in local government that are really nuanced. I come from the development world. So, uh, you know, when it comes to TIF districts, man, we could talk all night about TIF districts <laughs> uh, and how those are funded and all of the, you know, the fun legislative part that goes into that. Uh, but not every council member is going to come into council being an expert in those things. Right. Our job as staff and even as the mayor to some extent is to bring everybody up to the same knowledge level that you have mm -hmm. uh, about these issues that we're all going to have to work on together. Okay. Uh, so what does that look like? Maybe it looks like training sessions. Maybe mm -hmm. it looks like um, really open uh, and consistent communication. Uh, we do, uh, I meet with the president of our council with some regularity. I also meet with um, our representative on, on, on our area plan commission, which is our metropolitan planning organization. And we talk about uh, things that are coming up on our agendas, um, items that might be contentious, places where uh, we really want to make sure that they're supportive of the initiatives that we're putting forward uh, and that we are all seeing eye to eye about an issue. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It also provides the opportunity to clarify any misconceptions, um, answer any questions, uh, and garner a bit of understanding about an issue um, that might be too complex to have a conversation about at a council meeting, mm -hmm. uh, but is critically important for, for all of us um, to be able to answer questions about. So you really have to, you have to work with, with mm -hmm. everyone, regardless mm -hmm. of whether you agree or not, uh, and regardless of whether you're the same party or not, you have to show up and make sure um, that you are, you as in the mayor, uh, are preparing uh, your council with the information they need to make decisions. Now, the decision they make is their own. Sure. Uh, but but you definitely have to prepare people with the information that they need. Um to, to make those decisions. And so you mentioned, you know, sometimes they, they may not agree with you. How will you manage, uh, how, how will you be manage the disappointment? I mean, obviously, we're going to celebrate the wins. We're all together. But how will you manage, like, if something, there is a rift between um, the, the council and the, and the mayor's, mayor's office? Because it happens all the time in Indianapolis. Sure. Well, I hope that there would never be an issue so big that we can't all continue to come together and work for the betterment of the citizens of West Lafayette. Um, that would that would be my first thing. If if we are if we're not solving problems together, we're not doing our citizens a service. Uh, so that that's one thing. Um, there will be wins, and there will be things that we're just not successful with. Um, so we have to remember, you know, at, at the end of the road, uh, does this benefit the citizens of West Lafayette, uh, or is is it a benefit of, no, of another kind? And every single time we have to come back to, this will create a better place for all of us to live. I love it. Okay, last question. Mm -hmm. What are you most, what, what, what has you um, up at night? Say you win, you, you're thinking about winning, but it keeps you up at night. Oh my God, I'm the mayor. What's that one thing that keeps you up at night? <laughs> oh boy. 
I know. I, I, I like to throw a curveball in there every now and then. <laughs> I think there are two things. Um, oh. One is just providing consistent services to citizens. And that really starts with having a, a staff who is ready to serve citizens every single day. Uh, that they remember, you know, basic customer service things. When that phone rings, the person who who you're talking to is the person that makes all of this possible, right? Right. So they're the ones that pay their taxes, which fund us. Mm -hmm. uh, and government is a service to serve people. Mm -hmm. So remembering and and just instilling that sense of serving your citizens, serving the community that you work for. Um, serving the community that you live in um, and and having enough staff that are well-trained and ready to handle that job every day. We have staffing issues just like everyone does. Um, and and the, the solution to that is making people feel valued, um, giving them the quality of life and the benefits that, that you can afford as a government and making sure uh, that they are appreciated and that they know how much they mean to the impact of many people's lives. Um, it's easy to say something is just a paycheck, but it's not. Um, right. It's not when you <clears throat> it's not when you are inspecting buildings to make sure that they are compliant and safe and livable for people uh, by keeping our streets clean and and appropriately managing water and trash, you know, those those things are the things that nobody really wants to think about, but they're so critically important yeah. to creating yeah. a safe and healthy community. Um, and just making sure that we have the staff um, to deliver on that promise. I think public service is a great opportunity. Um, and and sometimes there are there are callings higher than than a paycheck. I love it. And that's a, you but know, we what, all like a paycheck. Let's think, be honest. <laughs> I think that is like the perfect way to close it, close it out because, you know, those, if those are the things that are keeping you up, that means you'll be successful at them. So there you go. All right. Now tell the people where they can find you. Uh, sure. So if you want to learn more about me, you can find me at AaronEaster.com. Uh, initially, you can shoot me an email. There's contact information for me there. Uh, I will be out at uh, Outfest and Global Fest and some uh, events that we have here in West Lafayette. Uh, we'll be setting up an office soon, okay. uh, mid-July. Um, not just for me, but any of our down ballot, down ballot, if you can say that, in a municipal race candidate. Absolutely. So making sure that uh, our other candidates have support and we're running a coordinated democratic campaign. Uh, so if you if you want to, you know, get under the big tent, we're, we'll help. Um, I love so it. So we'll be working together um, on all of those things. You can find us at our office and working hard, knocking on a bunch of doors. So do you, do you have a way for people to sign up to be volunteers to come help you with these days of action? Yes, absolutely. On the website, there's an op opportunity to volunteer uh, to subscribe for any news. So we'll send out uh, dates that we're knocking doors or that any other candidates are. Um, uh, there is a place to donate and then also to learn about the policy initiatives I'm concerned about. I love it. Uh, thank you so much, Erin uh, Easter, candidate for West Lafayette, mayor, mayor of West Lafayette, for joining me today. This was a great conversation. Uh, it's obvious that you know your city. Like, it is obvious that you know all the nooks and crannies and backdoor, updoor. You are well-versed in how your city is run. I think you have a great opportunity to have a huge impact in your community. Um, and you have such a kind heart. The way that you look at things, um, you have a kind heart. And I'm be honest with you, Indiana likes our kind of calmer folk. They don't They don't want to elect me. Like, they're like, no, you too wild and loud. And I, but you have a nice, calm demeanor that is uh, you explain things. Uh, I think you're going to be very, very successful no matter what. Yeah. But I believe you're going to be successful. I think the city of, of West Lafayette should elect you. Um, you. So click on our link. Donate to our campaign. I, I'm excited for her campaign. OK, guys, I got I got a story to tell. This is July 4th weekend. I don't know if y'all saw the TikTok video, but be careful with the fireworks. I mean, my goodness, did you see the one where the firework went underneath the van and blew up the van? Please, 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 y'all, be careful. And with the air quality as, as bad as it is, 
you know, maybe maybe we bypass it this year. I don't know. I'm not because I know how y'all feel about y'all's fireworks. But listen, just be careful. Watch your kiddos. Make sure I don't I don't want to hear about somebody lost a finger or a toe or an eye because y'all weren't careful. Okay, so just just be careful for the July weekend. And I will not be on next week because I am super excited. Um, I, I, sometimes, you know, we 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 as black women often talk about how we are not always mentioned when we're not in the room. And it can be disheartening because, you know, it's not like we don't have the same talents and the same abilities as, as anyone else in the world. It's just that we aren't considered. And I have to tell you a story that I can't say that to be true about me anymore. Uh, so Indiana, Indianapolis has a sister city in Cologne, Germany. Uh, the Indy Pride has a sister city. The Cologne contingency came to Indianapolis for our Indy Pride a couple weeks ago. And Indy is sending a contingency to Cologne. Now, I do a lot of stuff, but I'm not necessarily associated directly with Indy Pride or the Indiana Youth Group. I just know some really amazing people that work on those boards. And they were having the conversation about who can who, we need one other person to go who should we go and my president of indiana stonewall democrats and and dear friend of mine katie doyle said what about dana black so guys i'm not going to be on the show next week we're not going to have a show next week because i'm going to be in cologne germany i am super excited about this opportunity i'm going to go to cologne pride i've already met most of the people who are our hosts um we had an amazing time but the blessings y'all you never know who's watching the work that you do. And like I said, I don't get mentioned in a lot of conversations, but I did this time. And I could not be more grateful than to have this opportunity to go and represent my city of Indianapolis, the LGBTQ plus folk of Indianapolis in Cologne, Germany. I promise, I promise I will do y'all proud. All right. Uh, thank y'all so much for tuning in tonight. I'll be gone for a couple of weeks, but I'll be back. I'll have I'll do better with my slate and we're going to get all the candidates in. I've been people have been asking me when they, when they can get on. I just been I ain't gonna lie. I've been traveling. So it's been a little hard, but I'm, I, this show is committed to bringing the candidates to you and showing you how you can help these candidates win these elections. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, Aaron. Thank you so much for hanging around. I will holler at y'all next week or no, in a couple weeks. Peace. Turn Left is the property of Black Girl IT Solutions. Executive producer, Indiana's own Dana Black. Music by www.binsound.com. <laughs>